being a coach is one thing, like it's coaching skills. It's a certain kind of a conversation. It's a certain kind of courageousness. And then to be a paid coach or a well-paid coach, you also got to have good business skills. And so it's that balance, right? Like, and where does one end and one begin? Sometimes I'm not 100% sure. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Slow Smoke Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Morgan, and I'm joined by my new friend, Miss Candy Motzik. Candy, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm really pleased to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have you here, too. And today we're going to be talking about entrepreneurship. Candy's got uh, all sorts of thoughts from being a coach and helping other entrepreneurs. We're going to talk to her about not just what makes a good entrepreneur, but kind of like the state of entrepreneurship today and anything else. Candy's also going to make fun of my cooking skills, I hope. Because uh, we're going to be diving in, and today we're making um, pork tenderloin. But this is not just any pork tenderloin. Bacon and Gouda stuffed and bacon wrapped pork tenderloin. So hopefully, Candy, I should have asked. She's like not a vegan or something like that. I've had a couple people surprise me on the show, and they're a vegan. I thought well, I probably should have cooked something else. But no, is that something you would normally eat? How can I make eat? fun of that? That sounds amazing. Well, give it time because you okay. not the not the actual <laughs> not the actual food itself, but the uh, the cooking. Uh, we'll see. So I'm actually they're so long. I'm not gonna try to do it with any tongs. I've got my trusty barbecue gloves. If you're watching along on Facebook or YouTube, you can see them there. And we're gonna set these bad boys down. Candy, do you ever uh, you ever like to grill outside or anything like that? Not me. My husband. Okay. That's a blue job. That's, a- <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. We don't actually have a relationship like that, but that's what he would say. A blue job. No. So, He's a great right. barbecuer, so yeah. I just enjoy the food. Do you guys do anything special for Thanksgiving? Uh, Canadian Thanksgiving is in October. And so that's right. that's I have a bunch of people gone. I work with in Canada, and I still I still make that mistake, just assuming everyone's doing the same Thing. But do you guys? Great. I can't make you, fun of you. This is so awesome looking. Well, thank you very much. Uh, so we're gonna. I've got that on three hundred. So we're gonna kind of do it slowish and let it go. We could go a little bit lower than that if we wanted to, but we're gonna let it go. So it'll start smoking and smelling good. And Candy mm-hmm. and I will get going now. If you can sort of take us back a little bit, um, tell us who you are, kind of what you're into, and then I'd like to take a couple steps back and figure out how you got there. Okay. Yeah. So I'm Candy Motzek and I am a business coach for life coaches. I have a podcast called She Coaches Coaches and I am telling you all of this because I want you to know what a tongue twister of a life that I live, right? <laughs> Everything is coaches. It's she all coaches, about coaches. coaches. Coaching and coaching. <laughs> coaching the coaches. You got it. And so most of the people that I work with are successful people and now they've got this transition, right? Like they've gone from being successful doing something corporate more than likely. Um, And then now they're an entrepreneur and like, it's not the easiest transition. And so I just work with them, help them get off the ground, help them feel better about themselves, help them serve the people they're meant to serve. And I just, you know what, it's just amazing to be able to work with such great people. The level of expertise it probably takes uh, for someone. So if you're a, if you're a, a coach, you've got to figure out the skills to make someone else successful and like how to make someone else. If you're a coach of coaches, you've got to figure out how to make that person successful in making other people. Su- so you probably have to have 
a really deep understanding of the skill sets and the things that send people haywire and, and whatnot. So I just find that that's why I was so excited to talk to you was the idea that you're not just helping other people, you're helping people who help other people. And the level of understanding had to be pretty deep to do that. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? It's the ripple effect. And it just reminds me looking at the water behind you there. It That's just where that came from. So being a coach is one thing, like it's coaching skills. It's a certain kind of a conversation. It's a certain kind of courageousness. And then to be a paid coach or a well-paid po- coach, you also got to have good business skills. And so it's that balance, right? Like, and where does one end and one begin? Sometimes I'm not 100% sure. Before you were coaching coaches, were you a coach yourself? For a very short period of time. I did my coach training. um, And then, you know how it happens, just the right people come into your world. And those are the people that came and said, hey, can you help me? Can you work with me? But before that, I did the corporate thing. Um, I spent a lot of years as a senior leader in corporate and... It was great until it wasn't. And I bet you've heard that a million (laughs) times from people, but I just can't stress that enough. What dawns on you when when that, so you you had to have a moment. You said it's great until it wasn't. You know, how do you figure out whether you're just in like the doldrums and you just need to kind of snap out of it? Or how do you figure out that like that feeling of like, this isn't great anymore is something that you need to act on? Yeah, so I could come up with a really nice pat answer for you, but the real answer is when you cry every Sunday night before oh, you have to <laughs> before you have to get on. Uh, that's a good, that's Monday, a good indicator. Right? So, that's a good indicator. Know, yeah. So people think that being a senior leader is a breeze, but it's not. Yeah. This is what it really sounds like. You're triple booked in meetings with a million deliverables and your team needs support and you don't even have time to eat or pee. That is the life of a senior leader, right? Yeah. And so, you know, like I would love to be so eloquent with you and tell you, you know, I noticed in this pivotal moment, but honest to God, that's what it was. I was crying every Sunday night. It was God awful. (laughs) We've all, I've I've certainly been there too. I don't think I've gotten to the level of crying, but you have to make a change when you, when you realize that you've stacked yourself the, the the working world has a way of finding people who have elastic bandwidth right and just continuing to stack on and stack on and stack on and you just kind of keep going until you scream I had, I had a person that worked with me uh jen cook shout out to jen cook she's fantastic she used to be my assistant she moved up and did a bunch of other things but she was one of those people where you could you could she would just keep doing things and doing things and it never changed her demeanor she was always happy or whatever until she just fell off a cliff a couple times and you're like what's going on and she starts rattling off all the things she's got to do today and we're like whoa okay you know (laughs) i didn't know you're doing all that and so I think it's an, it's an interesting thing to hear other successful people admit that they hit a wall or they are about to fall off a cliff and they've got to either make a change, a big change like you did, which is career change, or at least a change in the, the flow of the things that are doing or learning to delegate more or something like that. Yeah, it's not um, so much even at the delegating point, it is boundaries, right? Mm. It's knowing what you will do and what you won't do, and then saying that's enough, saying it's enough before you get to that place, that, you know, snapping elastic band place. Yeah. Like, what do you think about that? I, I think it's different for every person. I think it's different in the situations. I, if for me, um, I, I think one of the hardest 
jumps you have to make in your career is when you stop being the the actual individual contributor and you you have to work through other people and i've i've counseled a lot of people that have made that step you know they've they've been a great employee and then they've moved up into another employee slot another employee and then they make that big jump into management and that is a very different skill set and um, in a dangerous moment in a person's career, I, I've, I've you ever heard of the Peter Principle? If somebody has never heard that, it's like that people get promoted to their level of incompetence, and that's sort of a cynical way to look at it. But some people, you know, the the example is they're good at sweeping the floors at the restaurant, and so they put them on the cash register, and they're good at the cash register, so they put them on a shift manager, and then they're a bad shift manager, right? And suddenly you have taken this really good employee. And, uh, and now you don't know what to do with them. You either have to move them down or coach them up. And it's a really challenging thing. And so that jump into management is something that you have to learn how to work through people and delegate. And for me, that was always really tough in the beginning. And I think I find that I can get a little, I don't know, I can, my, my life is a little better when I set up systems for other people to be great at what they're great at. And, and we sort of line up what we're expecting out of everybody with their skill sets. Does that, does that make sense? I think a lot of times I find the friction of when I'm being asked to do a bunch of things that like, don't make me make a spreadsheet, you know, <laughs> like that's not me. Uh, right. There's plenty of other people, really smart people that are better at that. Um, and then don't let the spreadsheet people be trying to dream up marketing plans and things like that. You know, it's, you got to line people up with skill sets. That's usually the, the, the friction I see. Yeah, and and I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think that transition is from doer to leader, right? You know, and sure we talk about leadership for ourselves, but when we're leading other people, that transition's a big deal. And and then you talked about this thing about work within your strengths, right? Like, honest to God, I am a spread a spreadsheet person. Like yeah. everything in my business is on a spreadsheet because that's the way my brain works, right? We'd be a good team. I need spreadsheet people, right? And so then people who don't know me that well, when they find out I'm a spreadsheet person, they're like, what gives? Like being a coach <laughs> is really different from that because it's all about asking yeah. a question and sitting back and letting them figure it out. What's their way, right? But I love this idea about helping people work within their strengths. It's a it it's one of those things that it sounds so easy and it's not that easy because people want to do something else, but then they're not happy. Right. Yeah. What do you think is the main skill or, or maybe not skill, maybe skill deficiency is a better way to put it that when you, when you, when you have someone coaching someone and they're stuck or they need to make a breakthrough or there's, there's a reason why they've come to a coach what is the most common thing you find is holding somebody back that like, you know, nine times out of 10, this is one of their problems. Fear. Fear. Yeah. I did not expect yeah. you to say that. What do you mean? <laughs> so for me, a hundred percent, it's always when I see somebody who they want something more and then they're too scared to go for it. They wished that they had done it differently, but they're maybe too scared to apologize. Right? Like, Fear has, like, it's such a, a cut and dry word, and it works really well with the barbecue. <laughs> but there's all these nuances, right? You've got anxiety, you've got ner nervousness, you've got worrying, you've got all those little things, but at the heart of them, they're a fear, a fear that you're not able to do the thing you want to do. 
Maybe in some cases you're so scared you don't even admit what it is that you really want. You've forgotten how to dream and how to decide. And so, yeah, that's to me, that's what I see is I see fear. And when we get scared, then our nervous system goes haywire and we have a stress response and we're not as smart as we could be because our brain shuts down and then we don't communicate as well. We don't relax and all the things happen, chronic illnesses, poor performance, all of it. And I think wow. it's a direct result of fear. Uh, that's really deep. I, so um, how do you, I mean, it's probably different for every person, but how does the average person kind of get out of that mode of fear, fearful thinking? Yeah, there's a few steps and they sound so simple, but it's so easy for us to forget. So the first is awareness, to notice how you feel. And if you're stomach is in a knot or your jaws all clenched or your hands are sweaty, guess what? There's something going on. So being aware of what's happening and then just realize that it it's okay. Like you don't have to fight against the fear because that creates more back and forth tension. And then just take a breath, just breathe and pause. And a lot of times that's all you need just to decompress a little bit. And then before you know it, you're like, oh, wait a minute, I got this. I can handle this. I can do this. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I, I think if if I think back to the early years of, of my career, yeah, you could chalk a lot of either the mistakes I made or the like the hesitancy I had, before, you know, not making the right decision because I, for whatever reason, I waited too long. It was fear. Like it, you can kind of always boil it down to something as simple as afraid of failure, afraid of what people will think, afraid of, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, what a crappy way to make decisions, right? Because it just doesn't, it doesn't, it's not fear oftentimes isn't rational, right? And for me, I, I, over time, I figured out that kind of the way to get over that was to think about what's the most likely thing that could go wrong, right? You know, not, not that you're going to get in a car accident and die, but like if this doesn't, if this decision doesn't work out, you know, what's probably going to happen? Well, this is probably going to happen. And then I would think to myself, well, what would I do if that happened? Right. And I just, that sort of walking through what I would do if this thing, this, this went wrong, fear to me came from uncertainty. Mm. And I, when I gave myself kind of certainty that, okay, I'm going to do this. And if it doesn't work, you know, I can always call so-and-so and, and go <laughs> sweep floors for that, whatever. Right. Um, and that was, that, that sort of helped me get through the uncertainty aspect of fear. Yeah, I really like that approach. And, you know, working through it, and then the, you know, the end all is that, yeah, I could handle that. I can handle that. And then you know that you can, nothing's gonna, nothing's the end of the world. I'm curious if you had different work environments, for example, where in some places you felt safe, like safe to really mess up, where you knew that, your job was safe. Your team was going to be fine. The leaders really had your back. I wonder if that would change the experience. What do you think? Yeah. So I feel like in school, I had some really good teachers and I, and I, and I was in some environments where I would be given, you know, this kind of fruity stuff where they're like, what do you want to do today, little Jared? And I would, I want to, you know, paint a dragon or whatever. But I felt a lot of freedom and, and I felt a lot of growth and, and that, really gave me a lot of the skills that I would use later in life when it was time to be creative, right? I had already kind of worked a lot of those muscles. Early in my career, though, so the first job I had after leaving college was in the construction industry in a really 
just very um, antiquated sort of culture where it was like everything's supposed to be on paper and it was a very just sort of a stifling existence didn't didn't speak to me at all didn't kind of it was like you're going to do it our way you're going to live our way you're going to dress the way we dress and drink the beer we drink and da 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 and just didn't work for me and I learned a lot from that because I, f- I realized that that was people were controlling other people through fear right so it was like you're gonna do it because I'm the manager and that's what I say and I'm gonna get in my truck and drive away right and then later I got to work with some really great people in in when I made the jump kind of back into technology which had been my background um where I saw people would work through so Scott McFarland who's a guy I've had on the show he used to be the CEO of Proctor U um and the, the company that I started so I brought him on to be my kind of leader and he ended up being a good personal friend and a mentor and Scott would always say like you know you when you have to counsel somebody you always make the issue about the thing, not them. So this sucks, but you don't suck, right? It, it's yeah. it's yeah. making people understand that the result is unacceptable and we're going to have to change. We all agree in that the result's unacceptable. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm just saying this is the result we got and we have to make a change to get a better result or we have to make a bigger change. And, and that level of sort of making feedback not personal and making it more about the actual outcome that you're looking for was something that helped me a ton and made me realize that, you know, fear, whether it's in within me or whether I'm pushing it back on people as a leader is not really the most effective tool. Yeah. And so that, you know, what I hear is this is creating safety. And so then the next time you probably would feel a bit more, you know, a bit more bold, maybe you would take some, you know, take a risk because you knew that the end result was not going to be so scary. And so how do we take that Intra entrepreneurship, right? Like that's the that's fine in the you know in a company in a corporate world, but then to take it into an entrepreneurial venture, how do we create that safety for ourselves? How do we create that safety for our clients so that they feel comfortable to buy from us, so that they know that you know they can bring whoever they really are to, in my case, the sessions that I do with my clients, how do I create that safety? And so that's always a something that's really top of mind for me. It's not a normal kind of business topic, but it's how we help people to grow. It's how we help them to be who they really want to be, right? Do you ever talk to people about making mistakes? And it's one of the things I see about early leaders is that they, they feel like if, if the people that work for me see me make a mistake, then I have lost all authority. And um, I think that only works when you lead from a place of fear and you're, and, and I'm never wrong. Right. And I, I have all the answers. And if you instead leave from a place of like, Hey, I have an attitude where I'm going to go find the right answer. Um, I don't know. I, do you, do you talk to people about that? Cause I, I feel like, when I learned to sort of graciously be wrong in front of people, it really set the environment up for people to start being honest with each other. Yeah, totally. And so there's sort of two examples that I like to do. So the first is that I also have a podcast. And from time to time with my podcast, I'll actually coach the guest which is a very vulnerable kind of conversation because I never know what I need to say next or what, how long it's going to take them to figure out what's going on. 
And so because I coach coaches, there is nothing greater than watching your coach fail on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why did she ask that stupid question? That was a dumb thing to say. So we've got so we've got that. That gives them permission, you know, sort of leading by example. It gives them permission to do. And then I have this theory as well that I share with my clients and and with any coach who wants to, you know, who wants to be successful is give yourself permission to be a crappy coach. Okay. Just just like when you go to do the next marketing campaign, write those emails, do whatever live, coach that, you know, that amazing client, give yourself to just be God awful. (laughs) Because then you're like, okay, you take the pressure off, right? And what happens is that it turns around. Now, instead of worrying about all that nervousness inside of you, you're looking at that person in front of you and going, how can I really help you? You know, so you just turn that lens around. So it's sort of like how you were working with your camera earlier. Instead of looking at it from this side, let's look at it from the client side, from the potential client side. And what what happens then when you allow yourself just to be crappy, right? And so that's a couple of approaches that I use. I think that's really interesting. So do you mean you allow yourself to be crappy so as to sort of, just destigmatize it or de or you know just make it not as scary anymore that you you laid a you know you laid an egg in an email that you sent out yeah just give yourself permission to be terrible <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it <laughs> i feel like i give my permission to do that all the time but like right? that, that yeah <laughs> but i this it's an interesting point i think you know if i think back to my own story one of the times i gained the most confidence in my life was after an awful experience where I was terrible at something. So, um, I, when I was in, this is weird. This would be like, I just don't mean this is like some weird humble brag, but I used to be in a band and a rock band in college or excuse me, in high school. And we, I wasn't very good, first of all. So just temper your expectations. And we had this, uh, our big debut in high school was at this high school talent show. And I was so nervous and I was singing, right? And I was so nervous that uh, I practiced and practiced and practiced even like 10 minutes before the show. I'm just back in there, just, just hitting these notes. And, and I practiced so hard, I blew my voice out. And so by the time I get out there to sing in front of the whole school, like I sound like a pubescent 11-year-old. Just, nah, you know, it was, it was awful. And uh, after that experience, though, I got to a place where like I, nothing could hurt me anymore, <laughs> right? Because it was like after that had happened, I thought – well, I didn't die and people still talk to me, you know? So, Hey, uh, I, I, I think there's something about like, you know, they say failure is a great teacher, right? And just the fact that failing doesn't, isn't final is a good, is a good thing for people to learn so that it gives them, you know, the license to try new things. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> and, you know, after that performance, you could keep saying to yourself, well, if I could do that, then I could do the next thing and the next right. thing and the next thing, right? Yeah. Did you guys ever get any good? We got pretty-ish good. I mean, we had, we had there was like a local radio show. We had some songs on the radio and like, I don't know, it was like anything else we had to decide. I mean, are we really going to do this and go? And the answer was no, we were not really going to do it. We we're all going to go to college and get jobs. And I'm glad because who knows? Like I, I was not, I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I was doing that. Who knows? But I think it's um, it's good to have experiences like that though, because like I said, like you flunk you flunk at something, 
um, you know, I, I started the uh, company called Proctor U, but before that, we, I started a couple of other companies that were just abject failures, right? They didn't, they didn't work. It was not necessarily a bad idea, just poorly executed. I wasn't positioned to do these things well. I had a basically a real estate site that was what Zillow is before there was a Zillow, which is not a bad idea, but it just, I couldn't, I wasn't, wasn't positioned to pull it off. And so, but that sort of failure taught me some things. It taught me that like, okay, well, the next thing I go after, I need to be positioned to the customer so I can actually speak to customers and figure out what they want rather than, you know, trying to do something which I didn't have a lot of connection to. Yeah. And so that's this question that you asked yourself is, is exactly what I agree with is what did I learn? You know, like, what did I learn from that failure? Do I even want to call it a failure? Do I, you know, do I want to call it the euphemism of a learning experience, which is fine, <laughs> right? Sure. But so often we don't get that experience until you're out of high school, right? Like, nobody fails in high school. We're all like passed along with a lovely C minus, just so nobody has to see you again, right? <laughs> right, but, right. But what happened if we failed? And we went, wow, this is actually the best gift. I mean, we could go on like a two day rant about education and, and whether, but I, I think there's, there's right. It's like the idea of failing and passing a grade is sort of like, okay, well, what happens when you sort of just zero in on the sort of like the, the C students and above, right? Or really maybe B and A students. And how, how do you, how do you sort of siphon off people that are failing in that regard? Like they could have gotten an A, but they're dropping off and getting a B because of they whatever. And if you could zero in on those skills, you really could set some people up for a lot more mm -hmm. success. I said I wasn't going to get into it, but I ended up getting into it. Let's let me <laughs> let me check the poor cloin really quick. Speaking of preventing failure, and some of those top students, they're failing because they're they're doing that just sleeping sleeping in in the morning till yeah, eleven. Yeah, for sure. Right? What do you think? That's looking pretty good, actually. Let's keep that going. Mm -hmm. one, one question I have that I'm fascinated about the, the coaching industry is like, in my head, it's always been this really um, specialized thing. And I'm so I guess I, I'm, the question I'm asking is, how big is that industry? How many people do you how many how many if you're an average coach, how many people are you coaching? Or like, I, I guess I, I just feel like that's such a specialized thing that I'm, I'm, I'm always surprised that there's so many people, there are a lot of people that are doing that and getting into that industry now. Yeah. And so it's like, you're opening up Pandora's box here. Um, so there's a ton of coaches in the world, but nobody actually knows how many coaches there are because there's a couple of governing bodies that try to corral coaches into sort of a standard, some kind of a professional standards. And then there are a whole bunch of people who are coaches who just call themselves a coach. And so I, I don't even know the answer to the question. My guess is probably a quarter million. Wow. But then when you figure there's 8 billion people on the planet, it's still a pretty small drop in the bucket, right? Sure. It's kind of like preachers, right? Some people just declare themselves a preacher, just like you can declare yourself a coach, right? I mean, that's right. That's yeah. a, so who do you think needs a coach or when does somebody, you know, if they get to a point in their career and you say, man, you, this guy needs, you need to, you need to plug in with a really good coach. What, what should somebody be looking for? Yeah. So that's two questions. So the first is who needs a coach? Yeah. Um, and no one actually needs a coach, but if you want more in your life, 
So I always say if you want more of something or you want less of something in your life, the fastest and easiest way to get it is with a coach. So the minute that you come to that point in your life where you just, you've tried what you can try on your own, you've Googled everything that you can figure out, you talk to your friends, and you still know that there's more available to you, then that's the time for you to start looking for a coach. And then what was your second question again? Because it kind of Well, I, I was in. asking that question sort of in a, in a crappier way, but I, I, what, I, what I think what I sort of stumbled on was, what should you be looking for if you are looking for a coach? Yeah, so this is, <laughs> so this is the controversial opinion part of the show. Um, I think that you should be looking for somebody who is a professional, who has proper training, who didn't just roll out of bed Sunday morning and decide they wanted to be a coach. It is not to say that those people are not potentially great coaches, but we're talking about your life. And why would you want to pay somebody who doesn't even take the time to invest in their education and grow the actual skill of coaching. So I think you should look for somebody who's taken some decent training perfectly, somebody who has a credential of some sort. And the people that you know that could be a coach, but maybe they're just not there yet, encourage them to get started, but to keep learning. Coaching is a weird kind of a profession in that it's a mastery level. So you're always learning, you're always practicing, you're always improving. Honestly, the best coaches are the ones that say almost nothing and ask you one question in 15 minutes and your face goes, ah, nobody asked me that before. <laughs> and it changes your entire life. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the mastery of it. So get somebody who's got some training and who's still learning and somebody who works with their own coach too, darn it. Actually, that's a really good point, right? Somebody that believes in enough that they have their own coach. Um, and that makes a ton of sense, right? I mean, if you're going to invest money in yourself, why would you, it's like the difference in going to see a licensed therapist and just a, a nice friend, right? They can, they can hear you out, right? It's like, there is a big difference, right? Somebody with some training that can walk you through some difficult things. Yeah. Yeah. And your, and your nice friend isn't willing to tell you, um, you're lying to yourself. Yeah. Most of the time <laughs> what are you not, doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? Right. If you want to go get a coach, where would you go? Like what, if somebody's listening out there and they go, you know, I could probably use something like that. Where, where would you tell them to turn? Yeah. So I would tell them to go somewhere like the International Coaching Federation website. There's about 50,000 coaches that are listed on there. They've all taken training from some kind of a credentialed institution. And then look for somebody that feels like a match to you. You know, like, you know, if you're 25 years old, don't look at somebody like me you know, that look at somebody that's closer to your age, closer to your life experience, somebody that you'd feel really comfortable with talking and growing with over time. I So that's interesting because I, you know, I would almost see it as like, I, I would prefer to have a coach that had some, some gray hairs, right? <laughs> right? That somebody that, that had been through a lot of stuff and could tell me what they saw rather than but maybe there's some value in somebody who's kind of figuring it out. Or, or, or I guess, I guess what you're saying is somebody who's, I don't know, you can, you can feel easier to talk to. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I think so. Um, lots of coaching conversations are pretty vulnerable and you know, like maybe you're not comfortable talking to your grandmother, right? Yeah. So, you know, maybe it would be better to talk to somebody that's just a little bit farther down the journey than you. That's an interesting take. Yeah. Cause you, you could be talking to somebody who goes, somebody said something on, Instagram and they go, what are you worried about <laughs> exactly, that social right? media crap for? And you go, but it, but it matters, grandma. Um, 
So, what do you think? Um, I mean, what do you think the state of you talk about you talk about coaching, but a lot of it's sort of centered around entrepreneurs. What do you think of the sort of the the cultural state of entrepreneurship? And what I mean by that is like, <clears throat> I think like we went through this heyday from about the mid two thousands into maybe 2016, 2017, where it was super fashionable to be like a, a startup guy or a founder, you know, you've got Shark Tank on television and you've got all these, like we're, we're you know, we, we're lionizing people like Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. And then we sort of get into this um, phase where a lot of those guys have gotten either too big or too successful, the poster childs, right? And uh, there's a lot of controversy around them. And then we sort of have this kind of you know, the inequality discussions a lot of times feed into like, why should you be an entrepreneur and try to whatever. So in the state of entrepreneurship today, do you feel like it's still, I, I don't for back, lack of a better term, cool to try to be getting into entrepreneurship and that people feel that way? Or do you feel like it's sort of fallen out of fashion? I think it's even more in fashion. Yeah. And it's because people want freedom and being an entrepreneur is freedom. Sure, you still work your tail off. Yeah. But you get to decide, right? You work more, for sure. You work more. Yeah. But you get to decide. And I I think that people want that freedom. And so for, you know, for the average person who's doing the 9 to 5 or you know, whatever shifts they're working, they're like, "Okay, I'm doing all of this on somebody else's terms. Why would I want to do that if yeah. I could actually create a life that I could enjoy. If I could be standing there at 1130 in the morning, putting something on a grill and interviewing somebody <laughs> on my podcast, right? Why would I, why wouldn't I want to do that yeah. instead of like the 50th meeting of the day, checking the box, come on. Right? So I think it's even more, I think it's, I think it's growing and I think it will t continue to grow. It's certainly the cleanest way to freedom, in my opinion, like it, it, you, you can get, what is it that people say that entrepreneurs are the only people that'll work a hundred hours to prevent themselves from working 40 hours for somebody else. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah, it's the exactly. truth. Like you end up working way more, but you're in control and you, you know, people tend to get more focused on the failure side of things, but what if you were successful? Right. I mean, that's the yeah. whole thing I tell people. They're like, man, what if I fail? And I go, well, what, what, what if it works? Right. And then where are you going to be? And, and so I, I think sometimes people think that, uh, I talked to somebody yesterday and, uh, I, I was, I was getting introduced to them and they said, Oh, this is the founder of Proctor U. And she's oh my God, I never spoke to a founder before. And I, and I thought, well, this is, hold on, but lower your expectations. And also, I think that sort of, uh, you know, deifying somebody that starts a company or whatever is like a negative thing. Like it, these are regular people that make different decisions and take a couple of chances. It really, it isn't all that um, complicated or all that it's hard, but it's not like rocket science. It's sometimes it's just stepping out there and saying, I'm going to figure this out as I go. And the more we can sort of demystify the concept of starting your own company, I think the more people will be willing to jump in and try. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. 
So what's next for Candy? Like, what are you? You're coaching coaches. Um, you've got your pod. Tell us what your podcast is, by the way. Yeah. So my podcast is called She Coaches Coaches. It's on all the channels, and I do all kinds of interviews. I do solo episodes. Sometimes, like I said, I even do random coaching, which is very uncomfortable. Um, yeah. <laughs> a spontaneous <laughs> Honestly, coaching? Like, do they know they're going to be spontaneous? Coached? I okay. set them up. I set them up, but I tell them I don't want to know what they want to talk about until oh, nice. we start. Yeah, maybe I could use some of that. Jeez, I need some help. So, <laughs> I, you know, I think it's, like I said, it's such an interesting, fascinating um, place, the coaching industry, because, you know, we talk a lot on this show about trying to be successful and live a good life and, and, and whatnot. But the people that, to your point earlier, take the time to hone their skills and sharpen their skills and think about things differently and really like think about mindset. And all, those are the people that, have a much higher likelihood that they're going to achieve something great. Yeah. Life is so much more meaningful when you're doing that thing that is important to you. Right. And then sharpening your skills is, is the easiest thing in the world because you're passionate about what you're doing. Yeah. So we've got, she coaches, coaches, the podcast, find that everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and go give her a like and a follow. Where else can they follow and find you candy? If they wanted to get in touch with you. Yeah. So they can always find me on my website as well. Step into successnow.com. But honestly, the easiest place is you're listening here on podcast. So come on over, stay on the podcast, listen to me. If you like my message, you can always come closer into my world. There's lots of opportunities to come into my community. I love it. That is what a great, I need to adopt some of that language. Like come into my community, come well, a little it closer. Feels like, right? it, it's, it is true. Yeah. Like, I, And the more I've done this podcast, there is like, you feel, you find that some people are like, they're plugging in, right. And they're going, Hey, I saw, you know, I saw this episode and that, so it is, it does feel like there's like concentric circles of how into it people get, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I love nothing more than to get the DMs from people. Hey, I like this episode yeah. or the other one. Oh, that episode was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You're nobody. You're nobody until somebody's making fun of you online. I've said that many times. Exactly. Right? Um, people have a lot of he- people. People have made fun of my headset a bunch of times. So they're like, what are you, are you like a NASCAR crew chief or what? You know, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm outside. Right. I got to have something that blocks wind and everything else. Let me check the port one more time. Ooh, looks like we're getting close. Cool. On that, Candy, I'll send you some uh, up there to Canada. Yeah, it's looking good. If that's okay, we'll lock it down, put it in the mail. Love it. Thank you so much for being with us. I'd love to have you back sometime. Everybody go make sure you give her podcast a listen. She coaches coaches and uh, give us a follow. Oh, by the way, if you like this episode, go find us We've on TikTok. We've built a really big community there. So join us there. Um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram and like and follow the podcast as well. Talk to you soon, Candy. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. 